Good morning. Blessings be upon you and yours as we find ourselves here on this Sunday morning. We will be in Acts chapter 16 this morning, continuing on through verses 25 through 34. So before we go ahead and read the text, let's just go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you again for another opportunity to hear from you, to grow and to gleam from your word. May you give us understanding. Please help us to rightfully divide your word. May you allow us to be moved and led by the Holy Spirit that what is said and what is heard is truly from you and not from man's perspective. Lord, we want to hear from you what you have for us this morning. Lord, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, uh, the one true light that will never fade. Lord, he's eternal, and you give us salvation in him. We're grateful for what we find in Christ. For in Christ, he holds all things. Nothing else can compare to him. So help us to understand how Our lives should ultimately revolve around your son, Jesus Christ, and what he's done for us and how gratitude should flow from our hearts for everything that you've given to us, mainly freedom in Christ and salvation, freedom from sin and death. So we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. All right. Once again, we're in Acts chapter 16 going from verse 25 down to 34. And it reads, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And when he took them, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. I've entitled this message, Our Only Hope Rests in Jesus Christ. Last week in our message, we learned the unfortunate circumstances of a young slave girl and what she faced being uh, a possessed by a demonic spirit. Eventually, that evil spirit was cast out of her by the power of Jesus Christ. 
And the Bible doesn't go into great detail on whether or not this uh, young slave girl became saved, but we do know that she was one step closer to being able to receive salvation because that unclean spirit was taken out of her. The slave girl's owners, the crowd that looked on, and the magistrate, they all charged in. They basically converged and they, they bum-rushed Paul and his fellow servants in Christ. They they beat Paul and Silas brutally, severely, before putting them into prison. And today, we're going to learn about the resiliency of Paul and Silas and how they responded when they were in prison and what they encountered and the opportunities that came about for them. How even being in the the most unappealing circumstances, they still remained faithful to Jesus Christ. We will also learn how we as followers of Christ should always be ready to share the good news at any moment. That the most unlikely people and the most unlikely circumstances or situations may very well be the perfect opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ in those circumstances and to those people. Lastly, we will learn that billion-dollar question, right, that that looms over the minds of every person uh, when they're alive throughout their lifetime and before they die, whether or not people want to admit that they think about this. And that question is simply this. What must I do to be saved? How, if there is a God, how can I ensure that I am right before a holy God? And and we're going to find that out today in our message. There are several main points that I'd like us to focus on this morning. And the first one is this. As Christians, when our backs are against the wall, we should praise our Lord even the more, pressing in to Him despite our circumstances now with you know this whole uh shelter in place and you know basically pretty much being on lockdown you know for the last 5 months I've I've done my my fair share of bin watching um you know on on the late nights uh, after my my kids go to sleep and and one show in particular that I've been watching on Netflix uh it's called World's Toughest Prisons now, I don't know why I, I I like watching you know you know certain prison shows and whatnot. Maybe it's a uh, you know the gratefulness of me not being there, being grateful for the circumstances I'm in. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know this is a show that I've I've been been watching for a little while now. And and the premise is this: there's uh, the basically the host, uh, Raphael Rowe. He he basically was falsely accused of murder and he was sentenced to life in prison in a European prison. Uh, Well, he didn't serve out that whole life sentence. He served uh, 12 years and somewhere in that time of the 12 years he was in prison, you know, things came to light. They found out that he was not guilty and he was released. And so I don't know how long ago that happened, but it was actually he said it was when he was 19 till his his early 30s. He was in he was in prison. So now he's the host of this show. And basically what he does, he travels around the globe to different countries and he goes and he stays a week in these different prisons. And, you know, he goes in there to evaluate their conditions and to see, you know, how 
these prisoners are being treated? Are they being treated fairly? Are they being treated unfairly? What is, you know, the situation going on in these prisons? And, you know, it's just crazy the, the different prisons that he has stayed in and the things that he's experienced and seen. The majority of the prisons are um, run down. They're overcrowded. Sanitation is horrendous, right? Definitely not the ideal living conditions. And, you know, one would argue, well, that's that's what you get. You go to prison and you're being punished for whatever crime you committed. When I when I've watched the show, everyone seems either depressed, mad, frustrated, upset, or they're so immune to their environment because they've been there for such a long time that they just don't seem to care very much at all. There are only a select few that seem to be rejoicing and not in their circumstances, but the fact that they've found something stable beyond the prison walls that they find themselves, uh, you know, locked in. They're Christians. These are these people that I see on these shows that, that actually have some form of joy in their lives being locked in a prison cell. They found Jesus Christ. Now, let's go back to our text. There was absolutely no way for Paul and Silas to rejoice about being beaten uh, uh, unlawfully, being thrown into uh, prison, uh, you know, unjustly, unless they knew Jesus Christ. The joy of the Lord, you see, is not bound by the circumstances of prison walls, as we learn through Paul and Silas, and even in our own lives, the you know maybe their mental, emotional, psychological prisons that we feel like we're being trapped in, but the joy of the Lord is not bound by those things. And if we press into Jesus Christ, we can be freed uh, from those prisons of our minds and our emotions. And at the very least, we can have the joy of the Lord in the midst of the battle that we're going through in those prisons. The second main point is this. Many times, the most unlikely situations and people are exactly the perfect situations and people for God. For God to move upon, for God to 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 save, for God to do the work, uh, the inner working work that only He can do in the hearts and lives of people. It would have been easy for Paul and Silas to to look at the hand that they were dealt, right? And being again being beaten unjustly, being thrown into prison unfairly, and they could have simply just complained and been upset and been frustrated. And honestly, by all accounts, they would have been justified in the eyes of men for responding that way. Because, you know, when you look at it, it's like, well, duh, you were, you know what I'm saying? You didn't even do nothing. And they beat you badly. I mean, they beat you severely and they threw you into prison. Like, dude, I think you have the right to complain. I think you have the right to to be pretty upset about the situation. But they didn't do that at all. They, They did the exact opposite. They began praising God and worshiping Him in the midst of their trial. And guess what happened? The Lord opened up the door of opportunity for the Philippian jailer and his household to be saved. So that's a clear sign to me that in and out of season, we must be ready to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, because we never know when that golden opportunity will present itself for us to be used to either plant or to water and how that'll come about. And so 
Always be ready. Always be prepared to share the good news of Jesus Christ and be in the right uh, spiritual state and the right mindset to be able to do so, being led by the Holy Spirit. The third main point is this. There is only one way to truly be saved for all eternity. Trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Many people have many different ideas of how they can be right in God's eyes and gain favor with God. Many believe they can earn their way by being good and doing good deeds. Others believe that they can pay their way into heaven by uh, you know, what they give and, and, and the money that they've earned and how they've earned it. But the Bible is crystal clear. Only the blood But the blood, only but the blood of Jesus Christ can save a lost sinner. Fortunately for this Philippian jailer, he was was able to recognize that above everything else in his life, he truly needed Jesus Christ to sit on the throne of his heart. And this man was eventually saved. Today, many people mock Jesus Christ and, and this idea asking you know, why hasn't he come back yet? I thought he was going to come back. You know, they, they, they look at all the horrible, horrendous things that go on in this world, and they can't bring themselves to believe that God exists. And if God does exist, that he's a good, loving God, because they say, well, you know, if God was good, well, then why does that little baby die? Why did that little, you know, that little child get raped and murdered? Why, why do these horrible, horrendous things happen if you know, a true and living God who's a good God exists. Why would he allow these things? We all know the answer to that as followers of Christ. We live in a fallen world. This isn't the way God intended things to be, but because he created us with the free will, he's given every individual, every human being a choice to choose him or choose their own desires. And obviously when we choose our own desires, it ends in lying and untruthfulness and bloodshed and malice and deceit and corruption and all these bad things. And we see that, you know, that has taken over the face of the earth that we live upon. It truly has. But Jesus Christ is on the throne and he will return to receive his church and to judge this wicked world. The only way to true peace is through Jesus Christ. And we will learn that today in the statement made by Paul and Silas. All right, let's go ahead and get into the verses. Let's uh, look at verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So we see what's going on right here. Paul and Silas are now currently in prison. This is what's going on. They had been, like we said before, they've been severely and unjustly beaten. Now they were unfairly thrown into prison for the unforeseeable future. We we don't know how long they would have been locked up had uh, this miracle not taken place. But right off the bat, notice their attitudes. Again, they had attitudes and hearts of thankfulness and, and gratitude to the Lord, not for their circumstances, but for the God who they served, who's greater than their circumstances. They were praying and singing at midnight in their cells. They weren't trying to lull themselves to sleep or trying to ignore the situation, trying to find a way to get comfortable in their cells. No, they were praying and singing hymns to the Lord, praising him in their cells. 
They could have easily been moaning and groaning, complaining about their mistreatment. Um, they could have been you know, plotting on how they were going to get revenge on those who threw them into prison. But instead, they chose to praise God. And that's, that's an awesome reminder for us today. No matter where we find ourselves, praise God. The Bible is clear. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 tell us, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You see, this is exactly what Paul and Silas did. They didn't worry. Instead, they focused their energy to pray and to praise God. They asked God for what they needed, and they thanked Him for all that He had already done by singing praises to His name. Because they took this approach... They were able to experience God's peace, and His peace guarded their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The application for us is this. Whenever or wherever we find ourselves, we need to be those who can pray and praise God at any moment for all that He has done. And, you know, you think about it. Currently, there's there's much to be potentially worried about and to go down that route. I mean, you got COVID-19 just running rampant, just burning up the world. Uh, the economy's falling apart. Because of uh, COVID-19 and the economy, there's famine all over the place. And people are being displaced and, and dishoused all over you know the world in our country. Uh, there's social injustice going on that's just, you know, it, it just, it just, you know, eats at your heart just the things that are going on in our society. The list goes on and on. I mean, we we could we could literally worry ourselves to death with all the different things that we're facing on a daily basis. The reality truly is we're literally living through a nightmare right now. I mean, it it is hellish the things that are happening, and and unfortunately, uh, many things are only going to get worse as we we move closer and closer to Christ's return. But worrying is not the answer. Worry is such a horrible thing. It actually, it actually derives from the term to to strangle, to to choke out. You know, cut off the 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 circulation. There's no more air to just strangle out. And this is exactly what it does. It strangles and chokes out the joy of the Lord in our hearts. That's what worry does. Jesus warned us. Does worry add a moment to your life? If anything, worry just, it it takes away, it strips, it it, it robs you of life. There have been many case studies done on worry, and, and, and it's a killer. It's a killer, literally, to your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. This is why it's so important for us to develop a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when you really think about it, when you really think about it, ultimately, who else can you confide in when the walls of your life come crashing down and come crashing in upon you from every direction and every angle? When when the bottom's dropped out and you're just, you're done. You got nothing to stand on. 
there's no one else you can confide in. No one. He is our solid rock. He's our strong tower. He's our mighty fortress. Right? We have to remember this. We, we also need to remember that all our circumstances, they must pass through his hands. Meaning, he has to allow these things to happen and transpire. We all know this from the account of Job. Right? Satan went to, you know, God the Father and, and, and telling him, hey, blah, 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 blah. Let me, you know, um, let me let me get at him. And, you know, God was like, well, you know what? Don't take his life. And all these things transpired. But we know Job was faithful. And the Lord blessed him immensely after it was all over. Lastly, here we see that these other prisoners heard the prayers and the praise of Paul and Silas. It didn't. It didn't matter that that Paul and Silas were locked up. The facts were m- more than likely uh, of all the noise and all the voices and all the chattering going on that other other the other inmates heard in the prison. They heard none like these. They didn't hear praising and worshiping and praying to the Lord. They heard praying and singing to the Lord for who he was. This opened the door of opportunity for the jailer and his family to eventually be saved and for these other prisoners at the very least for them to hear about who this God who Paul and Silas served, for them to, to get a glimpse of who is this God. They heard through the praise and the worship and the praying that Paul and Silas did. The application for us is this. We need to realize as Christians, we are constantly being watched. There's constantly an eye on us. No matter what we do, where we go, we can be sure, we can be sure that the world is watching. Especially when the chips are stacked against us. The world wants to see how, how, how do we as Christians, how do we respond to adversity? You know, it's easy to say you believe in Christ when, you know, money's in the bank, food's on the table, got a job, there's no quarreling within your family, all your ducks are in a row. It's it's easy to serve God when times are like that. But what about again, like I said, when the when the bottom drops out, when there's constant tension in your house, when you know money's hard to come by, when you just got laid off, when you can't pay your mortgage, when you don't know what's going on with your kids and they're astrayed and they you know they've skipped town and they're doing their own thing. How do we respond when we are facing adversity in our lives as believers? Do we actually live out and believe the things that we say we believe? Or is it just flimsy faith that fades away when times get rough? We should always be willing to praise God because He's worthy of our praise regardless of our circumstances. He is true. He is good. He never changes. He is worthy. He deserves our praise. And with our praise of Him, that praise becomes a witness to whoever may wit- see what we're doing and that witness of us being being you know faithful to him despite our circumstances that may open up the door for that onlooker to eventually be saved or at least consider who is this god and then obviously the lord will you know take over and he will do a work in that person's heart but you see it's all interconnected and how we respond to adversity has an immense impact on those around us. All right, let's go ahead and look at verses 26 through 29. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison 
doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But but Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. So now we see that there is this sudden earthquake, this this great earthquake. It was a supernatural act, clearly, uh, because, I mean, it shook the foundations of this building. Uh, Not only was it supernatural because of the timing, but also the way that all the doors of the cells were flung wide open and everyone's chains were loosened so they could move about. And if they wanted to escape, they could escape. Once the prison guard woke up from this earthquake, he realized that the doors of the cell, the cells were opened. And and this was an extremely bad predicament for this jailer to be in because, you know, the text says he drew his sword. He was about to kill himself for good reason, because under Roman law and custom, guards who allowed their prisoners to escape, they basically received the penalty of their escaped prisoners. And if there were people that were, you know, uh, about to be executed, that were just in those prisons being held for a certain amount of time, then for sure that that's why that, uh, you know, prison guard must have drew his sword because he knew, man, they're going to kill me. So I'm going to take my life because I've let X amount of people escape. This is crazy. Knowing this, Paul called out or he cried with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all here. He assured the jailer that no one had escaped. Paul's heart, he was concerned about this man's spiritual state and his salvation. It would have been easy for for Paul and Silas to escape thinking, well, God provided another miraculous jailbreak. He he provided us a way to escape. So I'm going to I'm going to bounce. I'm out of here. I'm not staying in this prison. I got work to do for the Lord. But to them, they were spiritually in tune and the lives of others were more important than their own personal freedom and comfort. And and they saw that this man was in a desperate state. I mean, if you're going to kill yourself, you are in a very fragile state to take your own life. That is just the truth. In not escaping, Paul and Silas showed tremendous discernment. The circumstances said Escape, go ahead, bounce. You can take off. But love told them, stay for the sake of this one person's soul. They they were not guided merely by their circumstances, but what the Holy Spirit compelled them to do. Again, we see this whole situation where circumstances, right? Circumstances should not dictate the way we act and react to them, right? We need to allow the Holy Spirit to help us to respond accordingly to the circumstances that we're facing. But if we're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, then obviously we're going to just do things in our own way of thinking, in our own line, and that's not going to be correct, and it's not going to produce the outcome that the Lord would have wanted to produce through our lives. The application is this, or better yet, I should say, this is a question when we see others in a desperate situation like this jailer was in, how how do we react? Like, how do we respond? You know, uh, I, I watch those, uh, you know, you see those commercials and 
uh, you know, the, the, the dogs and the animals that are, that are cruelly and unfairly, you know, treated and they're in the cages and, you know, they just, they have the animals, the dogs with the sad faces and, you know, they're preying on your, you know, emotion to, to act and, and, and respond and to give, you know, and I'm not saying don't, don't take care of animals and treat animals harshly, but it's easy to be moved emotionally, right? When we witness some kind of misfortune that, 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 that someone or, or something experiences, like I said, that example of, you know the commercial with the animals but it's a whole other thing to 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 be moved to action and not just be emotionally moved but to be moved to action because of the hurt others are going through uh last night i was watching on uh A&E first responders and there was a situation in miami where you know uh there was a, a truck that uh a, uh, you know, a pickup truck and a, and a car that were on fire on one side of the freeway. You know, they obviously got into a car crash and, you know, someone going uh, the opposite direction. They they were driving and, you know, obviously, you know, people rubberneck when they see something like that. And so this person was filming and, and he's as he's filming, he's yelling, jump, jump, because he can see that, you know, the, the, the driver is still in the truck that's on fire, the pickup truck. And he keeps telling him jump. And, you know, this goes on for, you know, some moments. But eventually... This person on the other side of the freeway that's yelling jump, that's videotaping, he actually gets out of his vehicle, him and whoever else was in his vehicle, and they actually perform this heroic act, and they help get this man, they pull him out of this pickup truck before the pickup truck is going to burst, you know, into ultimate flames and explode, and, you know, as they were interviewing him on the, on the, on the television show, you know, uh, the, you know, the, the host was asking him, you know, well, why did you do it? And, and and the man just basically said, I was videotaping. And, you know, as time went on, you know, I realized that nobody was doing nothing and I wasn't doing anything either. And he said, you know, my, my uh, you know, a voice or, you know, my mind told me, you know, to to get out and to help the person. He said, if I if I would have just kept driving, he said, I, I wouldn't have been able to live with myself knowing that I could have helped but all I did was videotape and I just went on. And so, you know, again, this is a, a real life example of someone that was moved to action. And I believe that that was obviously, you know, the Holy Spirit or an angel telling him, hey, you got to do something because, you know, you can't just sit there and watch somebody deteriorate and die when you had the opportunity to help, an in, you know, another individual out. And and this is this is what we need to be doing as as believers in in Christ. We need to be those who are moved by the Holy Spirit to act when we witness others in a harmful situation. And we see that Paul and Silas did that. They acted upon the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Next, we see that the jailer rushed in and he fell before Paul and Silas. This this may have been the same guard who who actually beat. Uh, Paul and Silas a few hours earlier. I can't confirm that. It it may be, or it, it very well at the very least, he was aware that they were beaten. Maybe he witnessed them being beaten, and he saw that. But now the 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 uh, everything has shifted, and and the scene here is is quite dramatic. This man was more affected by the love and grace demonstrated by Paul and Silas than by the earthquake, because he didn't. He one he didn't kill himself. Uh, he could have. Two, he didn't just run out of the building frantic because this earthquake had just happened. He actually ran to them. He he ran to them for comfort. He ran to them for protection. 
Maybe there is an earthquake going on in your life right now that the Lord's allowing to happen to shake you up. And he wants you to run to him for comfort and protection. You have to you have to think Again, this 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 jailer, he, he must have known something was up because this massive earthquake came through, ravaged the prison. All the doors of the cells were open, but Paul and Silas were still there. There's something very peculiar about that. They didn't take off. They didn't leave. They stayed to help him. They actually helped and comforted this man who was about to take his own life. And that, that act of love struck this man in such a way that he was ultimately changed forever. Okay, let's look at verses 30 and 32. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. The the jailer, he was so impressed by the love that Paul and Silas showed. Uh, You know, they... They took this misery of being locked up and they turned it into joy. This man instantly wanted that same kind of love. Jesus said in John chapter 13 verse 35 that the world will know that we are his disciples by the love that we show one another. Though he was speaking of the church, that love should spill over onto those who aren't saved, who are unbelievers. This is basically a witness motivated by the love of Jesus Christ. And this is exactly how God wants our lives to be. He wants our lives to be natural magnets drawing people to himself. Our Christianity should make others want what we have with God. It should be infectious that people want to experience that same kind of joy, that same kind of peace, that same, you know, unique, personal, intimate relationship that we have with God. Others should want that as well. Question, are you the man or woman that Jesus is speaking of in John chapter 13, 35? The jailer then goes and asks the most pivotal question in all of life. When we as human beings ponder what comes next after we die, our minds will go here to this place. What must I do to be saved? How can I ensure that my soul will be at rest after I am no longer alive here in this earth? How can I ensure that I can be at peace, that I will not face torment, that I will not face rejection, that I will you know, be able to be completely okay and not be in a place of ruin and destruction? Many people have many answers, but there is only one correct answer. And it's not to be a good person. It's not to be morally correct. It's not to do my best. It's not to give to the poor. It's not to commit adultery. It's not uh, to not steal. It's not to not murder. Though all those things are noble things or things that should be part of our character, those are not the answer. The answer is it's believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, but not just this surface belief like, oh yeah, you know, I believe that, you know, I believe in Jesus and 
you know, I, you know, I, you know, Christmas and Easter, and you know, yes, he, 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 he did walk the earth, or, or he was a good moral teacher. Not, not that kind of flimsy, you know, you know, very shallow belief in who he is or who he was, but a belief that he came to this earth to die for your sins personally, to pay a debt that you could never repay, to make you right. In the sight of God the Father. That is the simple kind of belief that has a depth that you need in order to be saved. Once we accept his free gift of salvation, we are now made right in the eyes of God the Father and we are saved. This salvation is by grace alone, received by faith alone. Now some have worried that Paul's invitation to salvation here is too easy and would promote a too easy faith or a cheap grace, which clearly it's not, but some people, for whatever reason, they, they, they seem to, to not grasp it and they look at it through a skewed lens. Others refuse to preach repentance, claiming that this text says that it's not necessary. But again, that line of thinking is completely false. Paul never specifically called the jailer to repent because the jailer was already repenting. This was already going on within this man's heart. We see the humble repentance of the jailer in that he fell down at Paul and Silas's feet trembling. The, the full idea of the word believe, which means to trust in, rely upon, or cling to, is, is in this command to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice for the Philippian jailer, Paul did not direct him to counseling. He didn't say you need to be you need to go to counseling before you're saved. He didn't tell uh, the Philippian jailer you need to do a 12-step program in in order to be saved. And once you do the 12-step program, you're going to be in a better position to be saved. No, that wasn't a criteria. He did not give him a lecture on theology telling the Philippian jailer you need to understand these theological terms in order to be saved. He did not discuss spiritual terminology with the jailer saying you need to understand all of these concepts and meanings before you can be saved he didn't talk about the sacraments uh before the this jailer could be saved he didn't talk about the churches before this jailer could be saved he pointed this obvious repented man to faith in Jesus Christ and the reality is this, salvation starts and ends with Jesus Christ. Any and everything else that the Lord wants us to learn about him will come along the way as he sees fit, as he reveals. But the, the, the premise is this, come as you are, not get all cleaned up, not get dolled up, not get all manicured up and, and clean before you come to Jesus Christ. Because the reality is we can't clean ourselves up. We come to him filthy. We come as we are. And he's the one who does that intrinsic work of cleaning us and getting us right and making us right in, in the sight of him and his father. He's the only one who can do it. We can't do it. The question is, today are you at peace with God? Have you made the decision to truly believe in Jesus Christ for your salvation? If you have, you are saved, you're sealed, and eternally made right with God the Father. If not, today is the day of salvation. Paul and Silas also mentioned that the jailer's household would be saved. This this right here, this seems to be a specific promise for that Philippian jailer. Under inspiration by the Holy Spirit, 
Paul told the keeper of the prison that his household would trust Jesus just as he did. But it's a promise that the Holy Spirit may well have uh, made alive to to help him, helping us to trust in him for for the salvation of our families. However, the jailer's household was not saved merely because the jailer was saved. Paul came and he spoke the word of the Lord to these other individuals, to all that were in his house. You see, they were all saved because they trusted in the word of God and Jesus revealed this to them through the word. They they trusted in them in in the Lord themselves. They had to hear, right? Faith comes by hearing the word of God and and they were willing to hear because they saw the transformation that took place in this man in their family's life and so they were inspired they were influenced by his witness himself himself excuse me of his life being changed and transformed by the power of the gospel all right last two verses 33 and 34 and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he was baptized at once he and all his family then he brought them up into his house and set foot food, excuse me, before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. This same jailer that had punished Paul and Silas was now taking care of them by by caring for their wounds and setting food before them. This shows that he had a changed mind, that he had a repented heart, that, that he was following the example of love that was shown to him through Paul and Silas. How has your attitude changed since you have experienced the life-changing grace of Jesus Christ? Are you like this Philippian jailer where, where there, there were maybe people that you mocked or, or hated even, and now you are caring for them and loving them in a way that was unthinkable before you were saved? Have you, have you been, become more compassionate to others since you have been changed by the life power, life-changing power of the gospel? The sudden transformation of life that this jailer experienced was infectious. The jailer and his family saw no reason to delay baptism. They they were baptized that very night, and all this began around midnight. The truth is, it only takes one moment, one event to occur, to ultimately change a person's perspective and their life forever for this man it was during that earthquake in the jail and when paul and silas didn't leave and told him to drop his sword and to come here to not kill himself his family knew him best and they would have known if this change in this man was either genuine or fake and they believed that it was a genuine change and so they were moved to seek the lord for themselves because of this genuine change they witnessed in their family member so much so that they were willing again to be baptized themselves it reminds me of uh, the ethiopian eunuch and and philip right uh philip asked the ethiopian eunuch do you understand what you're reading he said no how do i know unless someone explains to me philip explained to him then the ethiopian eunuch said hey man pull the chariot over or pull the buggy over We're, we're about to go into this water baptize me now right it's like there's no there's no I'm going to wait. It's like, let's go. Let's do it. I, I, I sense this move upon my heart. I need to do it now. There's not a moment to waste. And this is exactly what was going on within the Philippian jailers' families' hearts, these individuals. This man was carried from suicidal fear 
to abounding joy in just a few moments. The Holy Spirit used the courageous praise of Paul and Silas in their terrible adversity for good. There was great joy that was brought. There was great change that came about because of the faithfulness of Paul and Silas. Lastly, we see that the Philippian jailer and his family rejoiced over their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. They made the jump, the jump excuse me, from death to life with the help of God's faithful servants. The application for us today is this. We never know how our view of God will come across to others. At any moment, we have the potential of being used to bring great blessings into someone else's life. That is why the Bible encourages us to be ready in and out of season to share the good news of Jesus Christ to others. It may be just the exact time when salvation and opportunity meet. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for just this timely reminder, Lord, of of how despite adversity, despite our struggles, despite our circumstances, Lord, uh, as unfavorable as they may be at times, those may just very well be the perfect opportunity and the perfect circumstances that you've allowed to happen that are going to bring about ultimate eternal change in someone else's lives around us. So, Father, help us as believers in Christ to trust in you and to praise you even despite our difficult circumstances that we're living through right now. Father, we lift up those that we know that that don't know you, Lord, that maybe they are witnessing an earthquake in their lives that's shaking up the foundation of what they think is solid in their lives, and they're realizing that they're standing on something flimsy, that they've built their hand, their, their, their house on shifting sand, and, and there's nothing stable underneath them. Lord, may, may they now build their lives upon the rock of Jesus Christ, that they won't be shaken, no matter how uh, you know uh, violently the storms of life hit. Help us to be those that share this love to others, Lord, that need it desperately, Lord, and, and help us to come alongside those that that we know need that help, need that support, need that encouragement, Father. May your Holy Spirit empower us to, to say the right words or just to be able to listen intently upon the individual and what they're sharing and to intercede for them. Father, we pray for those that don't know you, Lord, that they would come to know the loving grace of your son, Jesus Christ, the mercy they desperately need. Today is the day of salvation as we don't know what tomorrow may bring. We don't know what the rest of today may bring. This may be the last hour that we are alive. We don't know. And so, Father, we don't want to waste another moment. May we seek you, Lord. May we receive the salvation that's given by your son, Jesus Christ alone. Father, I pray for those that are of the faith, Lord, that you would continue to encourage, strengthen, Lord, that you would uh, continue to convict, Lord, and and, and keep us uh, with short accounts with you so that we may not deceive ourselves into thinking that we are better off than we actually are. May we be transparent with you. May we be honest. May we be those that are uh, quick to listen and slow to speak, Lord. Help us to to be those that uh, take the time to consider what you would have us to do before we bolt off and go into action and into things, Lord. May we be ultimately uh, moved by the Holy Spirit in what we do and how we do it. Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.